Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. I want to talk today about worship. Uh, You're like, cool, we just did that. I know. Uh, We're going to talk about worship. I want to share, I just want to share my my story. I I want to share my salvation story. Uh, I don't know what your salvation story is. I never get tired of telling my salvation story. My salvation story is powerful, and your salvation story is powerful because something literally changed, and it was a miracle. Never get over getting saved. Literally, it's something that Robert Moore says at Gateway Church, and it hits me different. Never get over getting saved. I never get tired of telling my story. I didn't have a relationship with the Father or relationship with God growing up until I was 21 years old. I could probably count on three fingers how many times I'd been to church. My dad today is an atheist. Uh, he's not yet believing, but he's coming. He actually had a crazy encounter <laughs> with God. He just hadn't figured out how to say that it was God, where he was completely and radically healed of an Achilles tendon injury when me and my son prayed for him. And uh, while we were praying, uh, he was very reluctant. And then when we were finished, it changed. And he said, well, I did just take my painkillers. I said, actually, no, that's just Jesus, and he's going to do the rest of it. He did the rest of it literally on the spot, got an MRI the next day, and there was nothing on the MRI. Um, so he's really, really close. He's really close. Uh, he just doesn't know it yet, but it's going to be glorious when he comes. But I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have really much of a, a grid for, for God. And, and so I'd, I lived in Lubbock, and I moved home. back. I'm from Midland originally. And um, I was a mess. It just... It just it is what it is. And my stepdad's little brother came to me, and, and he, he and I were decently close. He lived a very different life than I lived. He was raised in a Christian school, never said a bad word, never had a drink of alcohol, never done anything wrong. I was all of those and then some. And so he's like, he showed me this DVD of some people at this, this uh, service getting healed and some different things. He's like, man, this isn't amazing, isn't it? And I was like, actually, I don't believe anything that you just showed me at all, zero, none of it. And so he's like, here's the deal. If you'll go with me to one of these services and you don't feel God change you, I'll never bother you with God or Christianity again. But as a heathen who was living what he thought was his best life, I'm like, deal, I'll win that bet every single day. I can resist anything because I thought I had some supernatural power. So we go to Oklahoma City. One thing you should know is if you go to an event and, and the headline is Miracle Healing Crusade, you should probably know you're not going to walk out of there untouched by the Lord. (laughs) I didn't realize that until after. And so we get to this arena and, and, and people are gathering outside and, and, and it's, it was the strangest thing as someone who didn't know anything that was going on. Like people are gathering and people are already holding hands and people are already worshiping. And I'm like, we're not even in the building. Like, y'all are way weirder than I even thought you were. Like, you're confirming all the reasons why I can resist what you're doing right now. And so as the, as the evening goes on, it's kind of funny. Like, this was a Saturday. Friday night, Motley Crue played the same venue. Saturday, Benny Hinn Crusade rolls into town. It's like one night you got shout at the devil. The other night you got shout at Jesus. Like, it was just a collide. It was, it was pretty funny. Uh, but this crowd gathers of 10 to 12,000 people. And, and some are just really, really expectant of God, like some of you in this room right now. Some of them came, the majority of them came knowing what they were getting into. And then there was me, who had no idea and had this attitude of, yeah, right, we'll see what happens. This thing starts stirring and the atmosphere just becomes like 
it becomes electric. And, and the history of these is that God showed up. Before you know it, like worship is starting and, and I had been to concerts and I had been to those kinds of things. I, I really enjoy music. Uh, the issue with music is it moves me, but it moves me ugly. I don't know if there's anybody like that, that when the music moves you, it's not pretty when you move. That's kind of how I am. And so I've always been a music person. Like I had been to concerts and I had, all, if you would call it, worshiped. I literally had gone to football games and painted my body. I had done all the things that look like you're a freak for something. But these, were, these people were freaks for something that they couldn't see. And every time I had been in a situation like that, I could see a person that was, that was playing an instrument or singing a song. And, and before you know it, I start having thoughts in my head of like, okay, listen, what if you, what if you just went for it? What if you let go for the, in the moment? Listen, nothing's gonna happen, so there's no risk in letting go because after all, nothing's gonna happen to you. I had a really good history of letting go. I let go of a lot of stuff. So worship's rolling. There's this chorus that's being carried by the people. And I don't know how many church people we have in here, but this chorus, it was this word. Alleluia. Alleluia. In the presence of God, just swarm this place. For hours, this chorus just continued to ring out until I couldn't control myself. It was, like a, it was like the Lord had come and literally wrapped me in a blanket of love that fit every fiber of who I was perfectly. It was like he knew me. All of a sudden, like, I see things and, and people are falling down in the spirit and people are weeping and, and then this fragrance comes across my nose that I had never smelt before. And in my spirit, I knew it was the presence of God. Like, I don't know what this does to your theology. I didn't know if this stretches you. I didn't know if even hearing that I encountered Jesus at a Benny Hinn crusade makes you want to check out. But I live my life, and, and I'm encouraging you too, to let your theology and what you think you know be offended by God and him only. Amen. And so I literally just had these moments with God where it eventually led to me receiving Jesus. And, and, but on that night, and the reason I share that story is because what happened to me that night is I stepped into what I believe every single one of us are called to, and that is to worship. That is the singular call on every single one of our lives as born-again children of God. We are designed to worship. There, you are designed to let the thing that's on the inside of you out in response to Jesus. And so today I want to talk for a few moments about what worship is and what worship isn't. What worship is, is essential to the life of every single believer. Worship is the heart's response to everything that Jesus has done for you. Worship is what he deserves. Worship is also a really mighty weapon. And right now in the world that we live in, worship is very, very needed. But here's what worship isn't. Worship is not a gift given to you or anyone else by God, by Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. These people on this stage, they're not gifted in their ability to worship. They have a talent. And that talent was then offered up to the Lord and said, I will use my talent to bring honor to your name. And they stepped into the place of being worshipers. 
I never want you from this moment forward to ever let this stage separate your ability to worship and compare it to them as worshipers. We're all worshipers. You're as gifted as they are. Maybe you're not as talented. Join the club. But you have been, you have been designed, not gifted, to worship. Worship is not a gift given to you by Jesus, God, or the Holy Spirit. Worship is not for you, but it benefits you. Worship is not for you, but it benefits you. And worship isn't just the singing of songs. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. These are reasons to worship. Romans chapter five, verse six, this is fantastic. When we were utterly helpless, anybody ever been there? Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now most people, now most people would, be willing, would not be willing to die, especially for a person that is upright. Though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Sorry, I mixed those two up. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We know these scriptures. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Verse 10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice on our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I propose to you that we owe him everything. And if you need more convincing than these three scriptures, go find it in the Bible. It's in there. He literally gave you everything and in response, he desires your everything. And the thing is, What's different about us and him is he's actually the one that was deserving of it, not us. Yet he laid his life down while we were still enemies, while we were still doing the thing that was actually opposing his holiness. He said, I'm going to step into a place, but in response, I just want everything that you have. And I'm going to tell you time and time again, it's worth giving it all to him. Worship. Worship is a very, very powerful tool. It's it's the proper response to all that Jesus has laid down for you and I. It is the proper response. I want to say this. We shouldn't worship f- for something. We should worship from something. It's really easy to uh, be in a spot, and I don't know if you've ever been in these spots where you feel like you're up against it in everywhere that you go. There's something in opposition of you everywhere that you go, and so you need help. You need answer. You need breakthrough. You need something. Pay attention. I'm not going to say this. Uh, I'm not going to say it's not okay. Sometimes it is okay to come to the Father because you simply just have a need that you want him to meet. More times than not, he would rather you seek him so that he can give you what's in his hand instead of us asking for what's in his hand and neglecting him. We worship for something. That is him. I'm sorry, we worship from something, and that is our heart's position towards him. We don't worship necessarily for what is in his hand, although once you seek his face, 
his presence, his character, and his nature, you'll get what's in his hand, which is the blessing and the breakthrough that you're after. He is a good father, and he will not withhold something from you that he knows that you need. So we worship, we worship from something rather than for something. Any chi- time that you choose to worship from something, you actually end up getting way more than you bargained for. Anybody like that about Jesus? I always get more than I bargained for. If you go to a store and you didn't know that there was a sale and you buy something and then you get one free, you're like, dang, got more than I bargained for. That's the relationship that we have with Jesus every single time we come to him. One of the things about worship that I, that I, I know can be challenging, and, and sometimes we all fall into this category, it, it, we say things like, I tried worship, and it, you know, it, just didn't, it didn't really do anything for me. It's not supposed to do something for you. It's not supposed to be specifically for you, a way that you can check your heart in this area. A really good indicator of this is if you make statements like, worship just doesn't do anything for me, or I just can't get in to worship. What you're saying is that I just can't make my heart get in the right place where it offers something to Jesus and all that he's done for me. If that brings some sort of conviction to you, good. Very pastoral, very loving. Good, I'm glad that it does because we ought to be moved in such a way that my mind is set on this place of I'm gonna give him everything that I have because he literally gave me more than I could ask, think, hope, or even imagine when he laid down his life for me. Worship is everything that that we should be giving the Father. Um, I have these thoughts of like, nothing happens when I worship. Like when other people worship, things happen. When I worship, nothing happens. The first, the first thing that I want to point out about this is, and the first question I want to ask is, why does something have to happen to us for us to offer something that he's deserving of? Now, I'm, I'm merely just trying to provoke you into thoughts, provoke you into shifting some some perspectives about worship. Why does something happen to happen in you when what you brought was supposed to actually do something for him? And if it's, and it's, if it's solely focused on nothing happened for me, your heart is probably needing to shift because it ought to be doing something specifically for him. One of the things that I love about worship is that worship is a mighty weapon. Anybody need a weapon in this season? against the attack of the enemy, against the war maybe that you're in or the enemy that you're fighting, anybody being lied to by the enemy that you're not good enough, that you don't have enough, that you'll never be enough, you're not lovable, or uh, anybody dealing with symptoms that are trying to invade their home, like we need, we need weapons, amen? I'll take all that I can get. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we see that The people of God that are led by King Jehoshaphat were faced with these three groups of people that are literally coming against them and waging war. They're literally being attacked on every side. And so I want to read this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 14. It says this, then the spirit of the Lord came upon, now for the sake of me and the sake of you, I'm not reading any of these names because I don't know any of these names. Amen? 
So the Spirit of the Lord came upon that guy who was the son of that guy, and he was the son of that other guy, the son of that guy. And he said, it's okay to laugh and have fun in church. I don't think the Lord's gonna keep me out of heaven for that, sorry. And he said, listen, all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Let this be a thus says the Lord to you right now in this room. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up from the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against him, for the Lord, he is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with loud, with voices loud and high. Verse 20. So they, rose, so they rose early in the morning and went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went before the army and were singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Verse 22. Now when they had begun to sing and to praise, the Lord sent, set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sair, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Let me explain to what just happened. You've got these, the people of God that are literally being tested and literally being threatened by three different groups of people, three different enemies. All of a sudden, the word of the Lord comes to the king and he says, do these three things. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. And I believe that in this moment when we need weapons, when we're under the, 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 the gun or when we're dealing with a fight or we're dealing with a symptom or we're in war, he's saying, position yourself in a place of worship. Stand still. In other words, trust and know that I am God. And then see me step in and be your salvation. Position yourself. Stand still and see your salvation. And then the king does something that is very unorthodox. All of us in this room are like, that's a terrible decision. Why are you even a king and why can you command anyone at all? He literally sends people with no weapons to the front line of the army and says, you're going first. Just use your voice to sing and just worship. It's like the king literally put these people in a place to just be sacrificed and killed. And that's what worship is. It's a sacrifice. In fact, the first mention of the word worship in the Bible 
It's found in Genesis in the, in the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. That's the first place you're going to find the word worship in the Bible. I think that's very, very unique and very, very interesting. Abraham tells the servant, he says, stay here while the lad and I go and worship the Lord. I propose that every single thing that Abraham did from the moment that God said, take your promise, which was your son Isaac, and put him on the altar for me, everything from that moment forward was worship unto the Lord. Everything from that moment was Abraham positioning himself, standing still, and hoping to see the salvation of God. I would imagine that the moment that he gathered the wood and he literally placed it on his son's back for, it to, for him to carry it up the mountain was Abraham saying, I trust you and I worship you with my first and my best, which is my firstborn son as a promise from you. And the moment that he gets to this place as they're going up and Isaac starts asking him, dad, I, I see the fire and I see the wood, but I don't see the sacrifice. Where's the lamb? And he says, trust God. It's literally this moment of being still standing still because he knew that salvation was coming because he trusted the Father. I can't imagine what it was like in this moment when they get to the where they're going and he, and he creates this altar and he lays the wood and then he literally, he picks his son up whom they say at the time was actually about 20 years old and he puts him on this altar, and I would imagine that every single knot that he tied as he tied him to the altar was him saying, Lord, I trust you, and I'll worship you. I trust you, and I'll worship you. I trust you, and I'll worship you, until the moment that he sees salvation, the ram that's caught in the thicket. The first mention of the word worship is found in this place, and, and we, we read this story of Jehoshaphat, and we're like, this is a terrible decision. You're sacrificing people. And then, and then the Lord does something very, very unique. It says that he set ambushes in the enemy's camp. So much so that all three people groups that are coming against the children of God, they actually destroy one another until there's nothing left except for the people of God. And I'm just telling you, if you'll position yourself, if you'll stand still, if you'll watch and see the salvation of God, you'll actually stand in a place where your enemy literally has fallen to nothing. What I didn't read is it took them three days to gather all of the belongings of the enemy, their silver, their gold, their jewels. It took the, the people of God three full days to carry all of the spoils of their enemy back home. I believe that God wants to release some things to you that the enemy's stolen for a long time, and he's waiting for you to position yourself, stand still, and watch him perform on your behalf. He's saying over you, the battle is not yours, it's mine. Let me fight it. Position yourself. What's your heart like towards the Father? Stand still. Just watch the Father work. And then just watch as I save you time and time and time again. Worship is a weapon. We've discovered this to be very true in our home. I have four kids and my oldest is 12, my youngest has turned one. My 12-year-old, when she was about nine or 10, she started dealing with night terrors, very, very, very heavy night terrors. She, I didn't know this was happening. And, and so we, we pray and she goes to bed. And all of a sudden she comes back in the living room and she is deathly afraid. She is hysterically crying. She's overwhelmed with fear. She's trembling. And, 
and she tells me what's going on. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't know. And she tells me of, of this, this dark thing that's in her room. My daughter's a feeler. Like she feels the presence of God. She knows when God is close. And I think a lot of times the enemy will attack you in the area where he knows that you hear God the most. And so she felt this thing in her room and she was like, I even saw dad, I saw footprints and, and I ran around them as fast as I could to come and get you. And she's weeping and she's scared. And so I, I, I go in her room with her and I said, show me the spot. So she shows me the spot and as her dad, I stand in this place and I just, I just choose to worship. And we, we turned music on and we worship and we prayed and we worship and we prayed and we thanked the Father for salvation. And we thanked him for freedom and we did all these things until she felt peace and she fell asleep. And then the next night came and we did the same thing and the next night came and we did the same thing and the next night came. For five to six nights, we did the same thing. I literally had to go in her room with her and, and worship with her until peace saturated the room because she was getting attacked every single night. And then dad, the dad in me had to do something that looked to make no sense. She came to me again and she's crying again in the same situation over and over and over. And then it was this moment I had to make a decision as a dad. And I made a decision like this king that looked like it was terribly uh, flawed. And I said, baby, I know you're scared and I know you're crying, but I, I'm not going with you this time. I'm not going in your room with you. You're gonna go fight it by yourself. And so I sent my nine to 10 year old daughter in her room to stand in a place where she thought something dark was and worship until she found peace. And she figured out a way to win the war and she figured out a way to slay this giant in her own way. That looked flawed. There are probably people that would turn me in. <laughs> I don't care. Because my daughter slayed something that she now has the understanding of if I use worship, it's my weapon. We did the same thing with my son about a year ago. This kid down the street came and was like, hey, there's this, there's this man that's dressed in black and he wears a white mask and he comes and visits kids in the nighttime. That's all my nine-year-old son needed to know. And he was like, I will never sleep in my room again. So for weeks, we did the same thing until I literally would have to carry him in his room and leave him in his room and tell him, buddy, you can win the fight. I need you to win it. I've given you all that I can give you. Fast forward to several months later and we're driving. And he goes, dad, you know what I say to fear when it tries to come in my room now? I'm like, no, what, what do you say? He's like, oh, I just tell fear. Fear, I didn't get baptized to start a new life with you. I got baptized to start a new life with Jesus. You can leave. Like these are, these are, these are, these are weapons. Worship is a weapon. I wanna encourage you, if you're in the middle of a battle, whatever's going on in your life, shift your heart into this place of, I'm positioning myself to worship the Father. I'm standing still because I trust Him and I'm gonna see His salvation. I believe it's coming to you in your house. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.